comfy. I am. I am indeed. Can you turn my headphones up a bit? Yes, I know. I'm annoying. Thank you. Oh, let me get you your own control and you'll be fine. Thank you. Uh, so, I'm going to start off with this. Um, we had a technical difficulty last episode. Yes. And I thought I could recover the audio files, but I couldn't. Oh. So. Okay. We did about two hours about us being newly engaged and all the other <laughs> things. And that's lost to the ether, but we're well, engaged. I feel responsible for that because I wasn't paying attention to the laptop. I wasn't paying attention to the laptop. Mm-hmm. And the laptop sitting in front of me and the power cord is literally right next to it. Right. And your laptop was powering, powering the, mixer the mixer at that point. So we talked all about being newly engaged mm-hmm. and what it meant and all the fun things. Mm-hmm. Um so we'll just, in this case, keep it to thank everybody for the warm well wishes, wishes. and the excitement awesome. and all the things. A lot of pressure. We're black love personified now. <laughs> mm. We'll see how that goes. Um, I got my, um, my, my black husband makes me smile sweatshirt so we can match and be really gross. Yes, because you got me a, a my black wife makes me smile mm-hmm. sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. That I was not allowed to wear mm, mm. until business was handled, mm-hmm. which technically I'm still not allowed to wear. I know. As we discussed. I'm going to wear it today. <clears throat> I want you to take a picture of me wearing it today and I'm going to ask um, social media. I'm curious to know, is it okay to wear a, my black husband makes me smile when you're not actually married? I mean, you can always add hopefully, I guess, if you wanted to. Or, you know, since black men are being, being hunted for sport and killed in the street, maybe we can wear it whenever we fucking feel like it. Yeah, there's that too. There's that too. Um, you might notice that we sound a little different right now. Wait, uh, this isn't our first time. In, oh, but the, yeah. Never mind. I don't know. You just told me why this would be their first time hearing us in here. Yes. Okay. So we're in a brand new office. Yes. Recording here for the first time. Yes. Um, we are, we no, are longer no longer at Third Space. <laughs> at Third Space, which was at 142 Lafayette well, still Street. Uh, our office was at 142 Lafayette Street, North New Jersey, two blocks away from the Prudential Center. Shout How out. long am I going to say? Shout out to Kenny. No, that's the last time. Hi, Kenny. Um, Unless somebody's kind of checked. That's the last time. Yeah. But um, our office isn't completely set yet. Uh, We need to probably figure out some soundproofing solutions and other things. And just like some uh, like space saving stuff, too. Yeah. So hopefully as we progress into the new space, um, we'll get all that stuff settled. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really exciting. It is. Uh, It's closer to home. 11 minutes. It's closer to the kids' schools and all that. Five minutes to each school. And we're basically in what we refer to as a cottage. There is essentially a small farm outside. There's been bunny rabbits and chipmunks. I saw a pair of rabbits running together across the lawn yesterday. (laughs) So I've seen rabbits. I've seen, I saw chipmunks today. I saw a wild chicken my first day here and squirrels, which of course we always see. So that's more wildlife than I've seen in the past year. Right. So... Um, we actually have windows with views and mm-hmm. all the things. It's a real striking um, difference. Like, it's literally the, it could not be more opposite. 
their mm-hmm. space was very glass and very modern modern and very um clean lines and concrete floors and it's kind of cold but it was also um it was sleek cool. yeah oh god i loved it we are now in the oldest house in town almost yeah, it's we're literally in a museum. Literally in a museum, yes. So, it's a museum that also has, that rents out some of the spaces in the museum for offices. So it's very hard with floors. It's very um, quaint. It's very sitting areas. It's very, all the furniture looks like um, vintage. It's like a antique store brought to life. Yeah. And... Our space is already way too comfortable because yeah. we've just been sitting here doing zero work yeah. and like, oh, we should probably go home at some point. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. um, it's sorry. I'm being unprofessional right now. Um, it's been it's been a nice transition. I'm looking forward to see what this yeah. is. Um, it's outdoor me. space and grass and all the things, too. So that's nice. That's really nice. Like, I didn't know, realize how much I missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, the big kid. Uh, came here for the first time yesterday and she literally just stood in the backyard for like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. like is this okay and I'm like yeah it's okay you can Mm -hmm. sit out here um so and the little one saw we could play catch or whatever outside Mm -hmm. that's right the little one was here too yeah so it's it's a nice transition especially because where we live is also very modern concrete floors and all the things as well so let's have a little bit of a balance yeah um, I realized today that I really need to get my car fixed because I need to be able to come here independently of you. Yeah, so we... We've been sharing a car throughout the pandemic because literally just because we haven't had a need to really... Right. And yours was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Mine is just <laughs> old and tired and all the things. So we need to, we need to get figure that all that stuff out. But we're here and we're hopefully purchasing bikes soon although bikes during the pandemic we it's have like learned is worse than toilet tissue actually seems to be because i can get it to- some toilet tissue right. within a week yeah can't so, get a bike i can't even find a bike my size i so there is a bike shop in town with whom the owner i know the owner is fairly well and i called him the other day i was like what do you have in my size as a commuter or something i can just kind of putz around in and she's like we have nothing for you we're not getting anything anytime soon so wow. So I bought my bike. Well, allegedly, allegedly, um, I didn't get a confirmation. So I'm going to just swing by tomorrow and see if um, they said it could take a week, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we pretty much took last week off. We didn't do any lives or Mm -hmm. any shows except for the one that didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point we were dealing with, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a piece which turned into two pieces about starting off running, uh, talking about running while black, and the other being about um, a press request I actually ended up getting that really was very uh, how do I how do I explain it respectability insensitive. insensitive. It was just really also I ended up writing another piece about that. It was off putting and it was insensitive and it was ignorant. Yeah. We tend to use ignorant as like it's super bad, but mm-hmm. ignorant just means not knowing. Right. And it was ignorant in that sense. Right. So, and then you had your, you took took a week off from day level, or you're taking a week off from mm-hmm. day level. No, I took. 
Uh, Took a week off from Dear Level, ended up writing a... It was a Dear Level sort of piece. Right. But so what happened was that Dear Level is usually about sex and relationships. And I was like, I I just ain't got it. And there's, and there's like a mind, not read esque thing to it, but it's, it's like minor yeah, reads. There's usually some a, a finger pointing towards your face somehow saying, right. eat us out more or something. Right. Let us play with your butt or whatever. But you realize. <laughs> there's always a. But you realize that kind of wasn't the week for it. So. It wasn't. I don't know how it would have gone down if. I think it would have been okay had I written a piece similar to the usual dear levels. I don't think people would have been in the contents in the comments like how could you talk about this at a time like this. Right. I really think people would have accepted that content. I mean actually you're right cuz we're actually in a space where folks are very much escaping. Yeah, uh, for sure. black folks cuz sure. I was watching the Twitter feed last night of everybody watching Insecure. Yeah. And I was really really impressed and really happy that nobody was talking shit about folks. Well, did you see enjoying- the tweets? Yeah, Issa Rae and HBO mm-hmm. and the Insecure Twitter all tweeted lengthy things prior to mm-hmm. the show coming on. And I think that helped because it was just like, yo, black folks, right. this is what we do. Right. We're not going to not air this. Because usually there's the how can you, right. like, you're distracted and you're, right. all the other nonsense. And it was actually a space where folks actually got to enjoy themselves without anybody kind of... Mm-hmm. Throwing a towel Wait, on it. Finger wagging. Right. Um, I'm always amazed when I look at something. That was my keyboard. Oh, no. It's fine. Which keyboard? Oh, your, key- oh, your yeah. wireless keyboard. Yeah. Um, I'm always amazed when I look at social media how people know how to... Like, I'll see a post from someone who's like, this is where the Molotov cocktail's going, y'all. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then an hour later, that same person could be like... I got whipped cream on my latte and I'm just about to have a minute. Mm-hmm. Like we understand the importance of self-care yeah. and we're giving people space to do whatever it is that they do. So between that and folks just signal boosting as much as they can with everything that was going on with all the protests in all the cities, it was really a, in, in a very sad and tense time, it was really nice to see the coordination and the unity and the ability to allow each other time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because uh, we talked this weekend about whether or not to do good talk this week because right. we're, we're we're goofy. The mm-hmm. show is designed to be goofy mm-hmm. and whatever, and we key key, and we talk about ourselves a lot and everything else. Yes, we do. And and that's why people listen, right? I think. And I think on I can't remember if it was I think it was on Saturday when I asked a question. It it. In that moment, it felt inappropriate because everything was just so heavy. Mm. Maybe that's why it got deleted. Um, Maybe the universe was looking out. <laughs> no, for it got us. messed up <laughs> long before that. Oh. But um, yeah, just I don't know. It, it just was like I don't know if this feels right or whatever else. There's also a fair bit of navel gazing. I don't know what that is. You don't know navel gazing. You no. don't know that expression. No. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so you know where your navel is. Yes. Gazing at it. So it basically means like when you're just so into your own life. So instead of seeing what's going on around us, we just spend too much time mm. talking about our own thing. So that's right. called navel gazing. That, that could literally be the name of the show. Oh, my God. Um, so, no, what I was actually going to say was there's... Uh, I felt a fair amount of guilt mm-hmm. about everything. So yesterday... I didn't do much of anything. I took a nap. I started to catch up on Insecure. I watched a bunch of YouTube nonsense. And 
Um, I ordered a six pack. Mm-hmm. Um, you can order a six pack. I ordered a six pack and a bottle of bourbon yesterday that got delivered. Nice. Um, from an app. Nice. That deals specifically with weren't that. We, weren't you looking? I feel like we were looking for that and we were having a party. Oh, no, that was your surprise party, so you wouldn't have known about mm-hmm. that, but I couldn't find one. Right. So there's a whole app for that that hopefully they sponsor us one day, but that's another story. Um, just between that and I'm so we I've had this conversation with you, too, in terms of people mentioning me mm-hmm. in terms of if you're looking, hey, white folks or whomever, if you're trying to figure out what's going on or get some sense of how to make sense of this all or what any of this means. These are people that you should read, follow, pay attention to, whatever. And between two of my friends who did that and then yesterday um, on Facebook, I have somebody, to stop you. somebody posted something from three years ago. I got to stop you. Mm-hmm. I need you to go back. Okay. Because you're not explaining this clearly. Okay, I'll, I'll let you do it because I, I might not be. So what's been happening to you of late is that, which what I told you earlier, we do we write things because we need to write them. We need to get them out. Mm-hmm. We want people to see them. Mm-hmm. And then if they see them, we like it if they read them. And then if they read them, we like if they commented or engaged. And then if they comment or engage, we'd love it if they would share it. That's pretty much what we, the holy grail of all the things we want when we right. write things. But there's a to me there's another level of there's one thing to share a piece that I wrote to say you didn't let me get there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So those are the things that we want, mm-hmm. and those are the things that we feel confident enough to say out loud. Right. I hope people listen. I hope people read this. I hope people comment. And even go so far as say is we're talented enough, good enough to deserve that. Correct. I hope this gets shared. Oh, I'm sad. This didn't get a lot of views. It's okay for us to want these things. Um, my headphones are low. No, I'm oh, turning sorry. your mic down because you're blowing out a little bit. Sorry. Um, you can you not comment on it? I got you. Sorry, but but how do you know if <laughs> I, I don't you. tell you? Because I'm turning things down. I know what's happening. But I don't know that you know. I know. How's it now? It's fine. Okay. You were saying sorry. Um. The that fourth level. The fourth level is. Not something we dare to dream of. And that is being thought of as, um, I'm sorry, it sounds weird. How's that? Oh, sorry. How's that? Um, Too much? Can we, yeah, a little bit. Um, A little bit. Okay. There? Yeah. All right. So. Sorry again, guys. We're figuring this out. Um. The next level is something that we don't allow ourselves to dream of, mm-hmm. which is being, being, ow. <laughs> which is being considered a voice. We want to be a voice. That's right. why we do the things. But the idea of someone else saying we're a voice is something else. Now, someone saying, I liked your story. Right. Yes. The individual works. Individual works fine. I'm good with But we're, it's difficult for us to handle Someone saying, this is the person that you need. Right. Go read all their stuff. They're the voice. Mm-hmm. They're the thing on this thing. That's difficult. So earlier today, and I've seen it happen um, on more than one occasion over time, 
you will look as if there was a hand that came out of the laptop and smacked you. Like you will actually, like today you actually recoiled from the computer, like yeah. physically recoiled. Like, oh God, no. Because it's, this was somebody who I have no clue who they are. And right. they found something I wrote three years ago. Right. And reposted it and tagged me in it and everything else. And it's right. like, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know this. Yeah. So you said something like, you were asking a question like, I don't really know how to dot, dot, dot. Right. And I said, and you never will. And mind you, this is what they pulled from is actually quoted in somebody else's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been spread around for a while. So it's just, yeah, I'm not used to that. So between the idea and somebody, that was the other part too. Somebody referred to me as somebody who's doing the work. Yeah. Which. Yikes. Um, a to me can be a loaded term because the work. What is the work? Right, and as creatives, I mean, it's, or I won't even say as creatives. Speaking for myself, as somebody who's not in the streets, who's not an activist, who you are an activist, but go ahead, you're not <clears throat> in the streets. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not front lines. I'm not all the things. And knowing people who actually are those, the idea of being referred to as doing the work hits me in a weird spot. Now, you know, when someone says you're doing all the work, that should hit you in a weird spot. When someone says you're doing the only work that's important, that should hit you in a weird spot. But being told you're doing the work, that's subjective. That person feels like you're doing the work, whatever that means to that person. Mm-hmm. And writers during times like this tend to feel like, well, what am I doing? Everybody can always be doing more. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to do what makes sense for their lane, whatever that is. Right. But if you write a piece about what it means to be a black man coaching white women and being stopped by police officers that's your work mm-hmm. that's your work if you follow that up with and let me explain to y'all why this shit is further fucked up that's the work that's the work it's not the only work of mm-hmm. course not but that is the work writing about race is the work yeah i so i'm, I'm kind of being caught in the mix of survivor's guilt Mm -hmm. and you ain't survived yet being a little embarrassed um about recognition Mm -hmm. and everything that comes along with that so it's been on top of that being like oh i took a nap today and watched insecure and i ordered this online and we ate this and it's Mm -hmm. it all hits Mm -hmm. and that's and it's completely it feels it feels really cushy Mm-hmm. In the way that I don't always feel like in the midst of everything that's going on. Deserves not the right word. It feels, I feel disconnected in some ways. Yeah. Have you had a cushy life? <laughs> no. Hmm. I'm just asking. But I think that's part of it too. Of course. Is knowing how certain things feel and knowing certain experiences of certain things and not being there anymore and then watch and then watching what seems like every black person in the country in it right now except it's probably two percent of right. all the black people right um 
And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I, I'm, I recognize that what I'm processing isn't accurate or logical or whatever phrase you want to use, but it still sits. Of course. Um, there's probably work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to figure that out. I was talking to my twin sister who's from Minneapolis. She lives in Tucson now, but all her friends and all her family are in Minneapolis. What up, twin? And she was telling me that she feels sort of like she's going to some vigils and protests in Tucson, but being from Minneapolis and not being able to be there, mm-hmm. like, you know, where George Floyd was killed is about three blocks away from where she just moved from. Mm-hmm. And she moved here two years ago, moved to Tucson two years ago. So, you know, I told her to rest up and eat right and you'll know mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do i feel like everyone's role of what they're supposed to do is going to be made crystal clear whether that's oh shit this person really needs money all right we got to figure out how to get money to this person or this organization um i told her jokingly i feel like i have to say jokingly that I feel really still in a way that makes me feel like at some point you and I are just going to randomly see the same text or the same story and be like, well, there we go. And we're just going to stand up and there will magically be some Molotov cocktails in this refrigerator and we're going to walk out the door and shit's going to go down. Lace your boots up. And you're going to have a rifle on Mm -hmm. your back that I didn't know you had. (laughs) I mean, we've started a small knife collection, so there's that. exactly. And I'm going to have a pistol that you had no idea I had. And we're just going to be out in the streets. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel feel like whatever my role to play is will be very apparent. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, I wrote a piece as well that ran instead of my usual tier level. And like you, I didn't feel deserving of many of the reactions I got because I didn't write it, quite frankly, for, you know, the the piece was about um, loving black men. Mm -hmm. That's all I had. Like, I didn't have any let's have sex. I just didn't have it. So I said, I told my editor that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to do the regular column because I just didn't have anything to say. So that was my idea. So I was kind of bummed, though, because I wrote a post on Facebook and I said, hey, be really specific and tell me why you love black men. I'm writing a love letter to them and I want some specific things. And the comments were just incredible. And I worked them, almost all of them, into my piece, but... None of them ran. So the piece ran with just my thoughts, but Mm -hmm. not, I get it. Like, I get it. I understand. But uh, I kind of wish I had pushed back on it because, like, what the, why the fuck not name, name check dudes? Like, why can't Sarah say my husband Bill is the best because he takes splinters out of my hand? Like, Mm -hmm. I probably would have fought for that um, if I had known. But I don't feel like I deserve, I was only being super frank. I was thinking about the men in my life. I wasn't necessarily thinking about, dear level man, we love you. I mean, we do, sure. But I don't know, y'all. I was thinking about the black men in my life. So when people are contacting me and saying, so beautiful, I just kind of feel like, you know, black men have reached out to me. Like, I love this. I'm so glad you wrote this. And I feel whatever. Um, That's great. I'm glad you do. Right. So, and it's interesting, too, because I feel like, a love letter to black men in some ways has become controversial in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's issues of erasure and the mistakes that we make and all the things. And even in the idea of like, you know, we're talking about uh, George Floyd and everybody else, but we also have Brianna mm -hmm. in the mix of all this as well. Mm -hmm. and, and I purposely, there was a moment when I was going over this with my editor about the story. He was like, well, how do we work Brianna in? Mm -hmm. And I said, we don't. Mm -hmm. This is not about Brianna. Um, not because I don't want to talk about her, but I'm centering this story on black men. Right. If Level can't do that, then where can we? So it's okay if I get flamed for centering this solely on black men. But how often do we really see that? It's not very often. Well, there's, I think, over We see long. men of color. And Level is specifically about men of color. But I also was like, this is not, this story is not for men of color. Right. This story is for black men. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me. That it was not, not dear men of color. Right. I want to say black. If it had it my way, it'd have been like, dear niggas. <laughs> <laughs> my nigga, I love you so much, my nigga. Um, it needed to be centered on black men. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so it's it's been a lot of processing, and I said to you the other day, I feel like there's something in me that needs mm -hmm. to be written or said or something I can't find or can't figure out what it is, yeah. and I wonder a little bit also if that's just a pressure. I feel like I'm supposed to be writing or saying something since that's kind of what I'm not down to doing, but that's kind of what I do. Right. Um, I but at the same time, I want to write some bullshit just for the sake of writing some bullshit. Mm -hmm which you don't do anyway um i give you permission black man to do exactly what you're doing right now which is building a network that is about to hire someone put real money in someone's hands we, we, yes okay we're about to hire someone to assist us maybe more than one person like can it be enough for you to continue to create this network and set up a two camera a two camera <laughs> setup or whatever the right. heck else needs to be done i give you permission to do that right now mm. tomorrow we'll right. see today drink your beer watch your youtube videos and chill the fuck out i've literally watched youtube videos yeah, you, you did a little too day much day today about camera setups i had one day and... of that with makeup and <laughs> it didn't end well um sidebar i've been paying attention to what different companies have been doing it's getting really creepy now. Like, there's this mm -hmm. company called Primary that makes children's clothes. And I'm so lazy. Like, I used to get Maisie's clothes from there when she was in primary school. She can't fit anything in there. And I still get all these coupons. And I still look at all the little baby clothes. Um, so I looked, I clicked into one of the things because it said, to, primary, to our primary family from the CEO. And I was like, what does Primary have to say? And they're like, we love black people. And black people are the blackest people of the black people. And because we love black people, we'll be giving, like, it's almost like a form letter now. And I just skipped to the number. $20,000. Not enough. Next. And I look at all these different things. Primary, uh, everybody has to come up off some money. Everybody. Mm. Everybody. Every company is saying, like, so what's up? So, um, and I, I've seen that too, and I, it reminded me of a, a tweet I saw yesterday from the Washington Wizards. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, they put up their tweet with four. Uh, ooh. Sorry, sorry. Like I say, guys, it's a brand new <laughs> office. We're a little, things are a little clumsy right now. Just a bit. Um, but they basically put out like this tweet that said, um, 
We will no longer tolerate the assassination assassination of people of color in this country. Oh. We will no longer accept abuse of power law. I'm sorry. We will no longer accept the abuse of power from law enforcement. We will no longer accept ineffective government leaders who are tone deaf and lack compassion or, sorry, or respect for communities of color. Oh. Um, And then the last one was... We will no longer shut up and be shut up and dribble. And I quote tweeted it mm-hmm. and but said, this sounds great. There's nothing specific about this. Nothing. And there's so there've been so many corporations that have just done very non-specific tweets. And I don't know what any of it means. I don't know if it's a marketing team. I don't know. Like Nike did something as well. And yeah, they're just pulling out the beat, the Black History Month commercials, essentially. Right. But one thing is different. Now, you talked about a makeup company. Yes. yes. So, Glossier. So, I started playing around with makeup about a month or two ago. and it, Your YouTube channel on Facebook. And it quickly just barreled out of control. And I have way too much stuff. And I've been trying way too many products. So, my daughter is 23. She lives in LA. And I ask her often. Because makeup brands can be very problematic like i'm not gonna ask you about a certain television is it okay for me to buy this sony tv they're problematic too but you just don't do that right but makeup brands i have to check in with her first and so glossier is one that i know a lot of celebrities use and i see a lot of people of color on their instagram page but it's not black owned and this is what they have on their instagram which my daughter told me I should take a look at um and I should say that uh, I don't know how much I want to say about that actually um well we can keep it to they've they've announced some very specific actions that yeah, they're gonna be so taking they're one of the few brands that have actually said we don't like this oh here it is we stand in solidarity with the fight against systemic racism white supremacy and the historic oppression of the black community Black Lives Matter. By the way, I need a Black Lives Matter in your and whoever's talking, drop me a BLM. We will be donating five hundred thousand dollars across organizations focused on combating racial injustice. Black Lives Matter, NAACP Legal Defense, Equal Justice Initiative, Marsha P. Johnson, and We the Protesters. In an effort to make an impact within our own industry, we'll be allocating an additional one billion dollars in the form of grants to black owned beauty businesses. More details to come on this initiative in the first week of June. We're inspired by so many people in our community who are using their voices and making change. We see you and are with you. If you're looking for ways to take action, find resources for engagement and education in our stories. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. So the biggest difference between that and the Washington Wizards tweet is there are numbers. Numbers. And there are dates. And dates. And a plan of action. And a plan of action. So here's the sidebar that's a little weird. So I said to her, okay, great. I'm excited. I'm going to buy some stuff from Glossier. And so I placed an order today and I bought her some stuff too. And then I went home and I looked in the mail and it turns out I already bought some stuff from them. I just didn't. (laughs) It was a long time ago and it was just things on the waiting list. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I knew they were going to do that. (laughs) So uh, shout out to Glossier. 
Um, also, Minty Cosmetics should get a shout out because they're also been doing some amazing things. It's owned by two black women, which you have to hear like seven times a day, I know, mm-hmm. in Harlem. And um, again, money dates. Um, and also flex scheduling for their employees to react. And what was the other word? Giving them time respond. to react and respond. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yeah, some people are getting it right. But the creepy thing about it, for some reason, when I read the word black in mm-hmm. all of these things, it sounds like the the icky black. You know how you have that friend who wants to say, you're black and I'm white. And they just say it wrong and it just makes you feel like... <laughs> I don't have any of those friends anymore. <laughs> Uh, but you know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I love black people. Like, there's just a way that a white person can say that that can make you feel itchy. Well, I posted this on Facebook the other day. Um, to all the well-meaning white folks, despite your best efforts, uh, this, I'm just blowing all mm-hmm. my reading today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> to the well-meaning white folks, despite your best efforts, many of us are still skeptical. If you believe... And what you're doing, it shouldn't matter. Right. And I've gotten all types of great responses to that mm-hmm. and everything else. But yeah, right now it can't be about a pat on the back. No, it can't. Um, and it's made me second it's made me check myself because there are other communities that I don't belong to that I have done efforts to help amplify that if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I think I'm supposed to get a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm doing this thing. Oh, I totally did to this thing. Oh, I'm helping this person. I mean, it's natural that if you do something kind, you want people to think you're a good person. You remember that episode? Well, it was in a lot of episodes of Seinfeld where they were helping this guy and ended up like ruining his restaurant. Yeah, he, uh, he had the Pakistani restaurant. Yes. And they told him he should change to <laughs> a pizza restaurant. And they ended up getting him deported, ultimately. Correct. Um, Which would not go well uh, in the, today's climate. That episode wouldn't work. I think it would because ultimately the episode is about ignorant white people who are, think they're doing this great work and fucking everything up in the process. So I think in that sense, it still works. Maybe, I guess. It just wasn't funny. Oh, it was, I mean, it was funny for the time. I guess. Um, um, I did not think it was funny. I was horrified. Like, you ruined his life. And you're saying, we are such good people. Well, that's that's the, the entire show. Everybody says it's a show about nothing. It's actually a show about four terrible people. Mm-hmm. That's the crux of the show. Yeah, I know. So, I know. To, to that extent, it is what it is. So, I have to just check myself as I watch white folks want pats on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, this is different on a different level. But I told you about how um, Jay-Z said that he was trying to work on different levels of giving. Mm-hmm. And he had read this book. I'm sure everybody listening right now is like, you don't know that book? But I don't remember the book. But he had read a book that talked about different levels of giving. Level one was giving to someone that you knew. You know them and they know you. You know how much you're giving them. They know how much they're getting from you. Um, the next level after that would be when you don't know for sure who you're giving it to and, but they know that it came from you, Mm -hmm. but you just don't know. And then the high, the different levels, the highest level of giving is you don't know who's getting it. And when it gets to them, they don't know it came from you. That's very difficult for folks to do. Like that means that if you give $50 million, 
to NYU, you're not going to get your name on the library. Like people do that. No, that's not even that's that's it's, you don't even know it went to NYU. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you get to a certain level of giving, folks ain't giving it anonymously. Is what I'm saying. Right. No one is just like, okay, I have 20 million in this fund. Send it somewhere good. No. The more money you spend, the more you want folks to know. And in my own very short-lived and small experiment with philanthropy, I've not yet gotten out of the, I want to know, I want this person to know it was me. I'd like to get out of that one day. I'm not there. Right. Um, so one of the things that I generally, God, this green is bright. One of the things I generally um, rail against is the idea of allies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about in terms of the pat on the back or the recognition. Um, well, you can be an ally and not get a pat on the back. Allyship doesn't come with recognition necessarily. The But that's part of the problem is a lot of people don't get that. Right. Um, but, but that's the problem with people. So the problem that might not be allyship. The problem might be thinking you're supposed to get recognized. The, the nature of allyship, even if it's not a pat on the back, it's something. Mm-hmm. The nature of allyship is a quid pro quo. There's a give and a get. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can't have an equal exchange <clears throat> when you're working from your privilege to the disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and I think again, just the, the 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 process and the the meaning of the word ally in and of itself lends itself to that thought process. You know, so I, I go I even so that's where I go back to um, something that April uh, Ryan said, April Rain said excuse me April Ryan. Um, I was interviewing her for Level a couple months back. Medium dot com. Yes, and we were it was right around the Oscar time and everything else and. We got into representation and everything else. And one of the things she brought up was the idea of allies versus advocates. Um, with the distinction essentially being that allies, they do a lot of talking and what they wish and how they support and what they want to have happen. And there's a, there's a spotlight on allyship. Like, look at me. I'm saying the right, right things. Right. Where advocacy is quieter. It's quieter and there's an actual action. Mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. um and even if that part even if that point is not always quieter there's something more behind it there's more of a um balance based on the the power that a person has that they they're imparting right um so yeah so i just the idea of going back to the idea of like that being an ally and looking for that pat on the back and everything else i think that's probably could have been helpful for a conversation that i had last night that i want to share but before I do, in real time, um, my twin is at a demonstration in Tucson, and she said that at the moment they're stealing license plates, license plates off of cars, so they can't be identified. And I'm trying to figure out who's stealing license plates off of whose cars. Like, are these fellow? activists who are stealing plates so that the police can't identify them and if so what are they doing with said cars so i think the issue there is the steal part of it so there's been a lot of talk about how to not have protesters identified Mm -hmm. um license plates 
um, what to wear, covering mm-hmm. tattoos, mm-hmm. if you're taking photographs, you mm-hmm. know, um, pixelate certain things mm-hmm. and work your, do your best so that they don't, doesn't follow up later. Mm-hmm. Because um, after Ferguson, there are a lot of protesters who were either arrested way down the line or died way down the line mm-hmm. as retribution or whatever else. It mm-hmm. doesn't get talked about as much. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of that. I don't know if it's actually stealing license plates. I'm not there, obviously. Mm-hmm. But my understanding is there's been a lot of work to... Um, if she says stealing, she's talking about stealing. Right. Which is why. Like, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm not going to text her back at this moment, but I'm curious to know. Because as we know, there's been a whole lot of nonsense happening. Right. Um, a lot of white folks yeah breaking and stuff and i don't see a lot of us i don't doing see the a lot of us and you know to the point that i'm watching videos of black folks dragging white protesters too. to police yeah, like i saw take that. him yeah i saw take this her. one black girl like just her face was so perplexed when these white boys are trying to bash open this plate glass of this store she's like mm-hmm. what she's literally like she's got her little handmade sign and she's like what are y'all doing right. like don't do that that's not what we're here for so when I was in Ferguson, I did not see those types of agitators, but I do remember that, you know, I got into Ferguson at like one in the afternoon, I think I landed and I'm, I get off the, I get out, I'm in the airport, I'm walking out and uh, when I get to where everyone is, it's very organized there's a whole little media set with a tent and all the people, the ground zero. I can move around however I want. I can talk to anybody I want to. It's great. As soon as the sun set, it was a different story mm-hmm. completely. And I know, I can say this because I can say this because I was there. A good number of those people were not there to protest. Mm-hmm. A good number of those people were there to cut the fuck up. Yep. And I was telling Twin this too. I remember I saw this news article about how folks were acting after Jack Johnson won the heavyweight championship. Um, that most folks were listening to it on the radio, and they just spilled out into the streets and was acting up. And the Star Ledger here in New Jersey wrote a piece called "Negroes Cutting a Fray," and it had pictures of people just acting up. Mm. And I just remember cackling when I was doing some research and found that. And that's kind of what I saw in Ferguson at night. During the day, I'm seeing leaflets, I'm seeing organized, I'm seeing meet you here, go to the McDonald's, I'm seeing all this stuff. At night, I wasn't seeing organization. Mm-hmm. I was seeing wilding out. And wild the fuck out then. That's what's, that's what's happening at night. That's what the young folks are doing. So be it. Um, but it's so hard. The thing that makes me want to block people the most on my Facebook right now are the ones who say, why are we looting? That doesn't help anything. That's ridiculous. We shouldn't be doing that. That is so misguided and so single-minded that that makes me want to block you more than the white folks talking dumb shit. Mm. And I got an equal amount of those as well. I have a... I I shouldn't say I have an equal amount, but I have enough. I've cultivated much of, especially Facebook, a lot of, much of my following or friendships enough to where I don't get a lot of that. Um... My white folks are very well curated mm. <laughs> um, to the point of... I don't really have many. White folks? Yeah. I have a pretty solid mix, which is interesting because I didn't really know any white people until I was 20-something. Mm. 
as personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are all pretty in line and step and like, no, and I'm, that's the only way I can think to put it because right. when I say, hey, not really trust you right now, I appreciate your efforts, but right now, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. everybody gets a side eye mm-hmm. because it's the only way that there's no safer alternative. Which leads me to last night. Um, I got a phone call from um, one of my friends, a white woman, one of my very few. I think I probably have, like, in terms of, like, fight for, mm-hmm. um, maybe three white women in my life that mm. I'm like, that's right. my person. And she's one of them. We have we were pregnant at the same time. Um, our children are alike. I mean, um, same age. And I've worked for her and with her for a long time. So she called me last night and she said, I'm doing an event in my town. She lives in a majority white town. And in my majority, you told me that ratio. Uh, we'll say her city went for Trump. Mm-hmm. That's about all you need to know. Right. Um, her husband is African American. They have two biracial boys whom I love dearly. And she is having an event in her town. She is an ally. Uh, She's an ally, an advocate, and an activist, mm-hmm. period. I put her um, up on anybody's commitment to black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not that's not a small thing for Aaliyah S. King to say. Uh, so she says she wanted to have something where someone would talk to her community about how to be about how to be an ally. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, about how to be an ally. And I felt myself getting a little itchy as she was talking and I saw where the conversation was going. And I was trying to think, how do I say this to her without being offensive, without um, getting upset, without yelling? (laughs) Like, how am I going to tell her what I really have to tell her? And then I was like, wait, if this woman is your friend, you don't have to have this conversation with yourself. Say what the hell is there. And I said, you're not going to ask a black person to come talk to these people about being an ally because that's not their job. Mm-hmm. Our job is not to do your emotional heavy lifting. We don't have a degree in be nice to us. You know, I remember my dad's giving me this quote from Malcolm X. Malcolm X said something about you can't put a knife into us and then think that pulling it out three inches is progress Mm -hmm. knife's still in our back but you pulled it out and you want us to say thank you right pulling it out all the way is not progress healing the wound is progress and y'all still have the knife in y'all ain't even pulled it out three inches yet so and that goes to something i uh tweeted last night as well the idea that we've written the books, given the speeches, wrote the movies, acted in the movie. We, you have all the information mm-hmm. you need. Mm-hmm. Do some research. Do some... Do your own work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this thing where we're constantly asked to resynthesize old concepts. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new to the answers. Well, it's also a lot sexier. You know, it's sexier to have Aaliyah S. King say, hey... I need y'all to do this. Right. That's a lot sexier than just having you say, I read this book. 
and maybe we should do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. That's not as sexy. You might not get as many people in the room. Now, if you tell people X, Y, Z, black person is coming to talk about this, maybe there will be more people, but they'll be there for the sideshow of it. Right. They'll be there because they want to hear about the trauma. Well, that's the same thing with the protests. The protests at this point are trauma porn mm -hmm. for a lot of the participants, mm -hmm. namely the white ones, mm -hmm. who are there. Just um, there's video of a van store getting looted. Yes, I that, saw that. That ain't us. And I saw all the people coming in and out of there. And cop let them smooth slide on by. Yes, yes. Just kind of tried to grab at the box of shoes, and they right. dropped it, and that was it. So. Yeah, all of it becomes theater. I mean, they said in Minneapolis, and I wish, and I don't understand why this is not being, well, I haven't been keeping up in the past 24 hours, but uh, Twin told me that 85% of the people arrested are from out of state. Mm -hmm. Like I saw a couple of things that, that are challenging that number, but still, like the videos kind of lay I mean, stuff out pretty succinctly. I don't know if you remember this, but when the LA riots, when the LA riots happened, um... And Living Color was on. And they did this sketch that was so awkward, yet funny, but awkward, that taught me so much that I didn't know. This is, it was kind of like sort of real time. And they had this woman, Roseanne was guest starring. I remember that very well. On In Living Color? Mm-hmm. And My, how things have changed. I know. She was in a sketch with another white person and they got her... Because at that time, Roseanne was like a down black person. I mean, a down white person. We liked Roseanne mm -hmm. at this time. Um, blue collar, whatever. So it was a sketch we about We weren't the, mad about her national anthem. No, not yet. We didn't care. We never cared. So uh, there's a sketch of the riots. And it shows black folks are home watching. Like, oh my goodness. And then they cut to the actual riots. And it's white people with carts like for real carts just mm -hmm. like oh i'll take this i'll take that and all the glass is smashed and they're just quietly right. looting and doing whatever so i thought it was a joke i didn't know until many years later that that is actually what was happening mm -hmm. that regular old housewives was up in walmart taking shit you know kids were breaking up windows getting dragged off by the cops and then people were going in there shopping and even to the point where the instances of a lot of the instances of black people quote unquote looting have been stealing milk mm -hmm. to deal with pepper spray mm -hmm. or masks mm -hmm. or whatever else. I saw a story and I can't remember what it was where um, I don't know if it was Ferguson or someplace else. They found out that some police officers had stolen medication from pharmacies and were reselling them on the street. And profiteering nice. that way. Nice. So, nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I don't know. I don't know where this goes, but I spent an hour on the phone with my friend, and I think, no, I know that at the end of the conversation, she understood um, what I meant. Well, she she could still go ask somebody, and maybe there is someone out there who'd be like, I want to talk to her. Mm -hmm. A town it's 98 percent white i mean that's that's sort of the hard part in terms of there's always going to be somebody who mm -hmm. is willing and ready to go in and if they're not my, my bigger issue is there's no preparation beforehand so you talked before about the movable middle mm -hmm. and this particular place does not have that well no they do 
that's the whole point. She's like, we have a movable middle and we need to act on this movable middle. That's, I, that's literally what she said to me. Okay. So my problem is, what makes you think that this one person you bring in is saying anything that makes sense? You could give me the list of what this person says we need our allies to do. And I could be like, yo, this is all wrong. Me and you could sit down right now and say, let's make up a list of what allies can do. We wouldn't be able to agree. Much less 12 million more black votes. Right. We're not going to agree. And we think the same on freaking everything. And put one more, put Kenny Miles in here. Forget it. So I think there's a couple issues. A, there's no, when these things come up, when they want somebody to come in to speak or whatever else, there's very little to no work done by the participants beforehand. Exactly. And if they're not prepped beforehand, and they don't want to do anything beforehand, it's kind of pointless. The other part is it ends up, like you're saying, ends up being a black person or four black people with ideas on what can and can't be done. You got to talk to it's it's not a conversation. It's a it's process. It's a process. It's not one day. And what I wish, the reason why I brought it up is because I wish I had said to her, I wish I had thought about what you just said and explained the difference between an ally and advocate. Because mm-hmm. she's asking for allyship. And I'm telling her, she's already an advocate. She already does more than a lot of people but, I know. But it wasn't about her. It was about her people around her. Right. I understand that. So my thing is, maybe you can't, maybe that's not your portion. Mm -hmm. Maybe you continue to build and do the things that you're doing as an advocate because you're an amazing one. Now, I know you want to help your town. You want to be an ally. You want to help your town become allies. But I'm just not so sure that's where I want her attention to be, to be quite frank. I feel like there's a lot more she can do as an advocate than she can as an ally. So one of the things I heard, I hear a lot. When it comes to um, things like sexual assault and rape and street harassment and everything else, especially in terms of street harassment, um, guy wants to say hello to a strange woman on the street or yeah. say whatever, and woman says no, thank you, or get the fuck away, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And there's the offense of, well, I'm just trying to be nice and mm-hmm. be X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And the response is generally. I can't tell you from the dangerous ones. Right. So all your intent and everything else, that's great. I'm glad that you know it and whatever else. Mm-hmm. But in that moment for me, mm-hmm. I can't I can't risk my life to trust you and make you feel better. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where we end up coming back to in these uh, conversations now with white folks trying to figure out and scramble to be better, do better. This existed long before yeah. this last month. You did I wonder and I understand, many... that, I understand people come to where they are when they come to where they are. Of course. And I don't want to necessarily say, well, it's your fault for doing it so late. But just because you have decided doesn't mean I need to jump in the boat yeah, with you. Of course. No. Also, I wonder how often people read. When I find myself up against something that I don't understand, mm-hmm. the first thing I do is start looking at just anything you feel like you're not sharp on, you could go on Twitter and somebody has already put the list there. You don't understand trans. You don't know the right words to use for this. You don't know the definition of this. You don't know how to help here. You don't know how to help there. Look it up. Read something. Sometimes I can't commit to reading an entire book, but I'll find something peer-researched and official or as official as I can get. 
and it might be someone's PhD thesis or it might be some kind of paper that was presented at a conference. It's not hard to find something to read. No, but white no, folks no. don't want to do that. No, say I can bring it. We can make it even easier. YouTube is an amazing resource. Just I'd rather you read a book. I, I, yes, I'd rather you do a lot of things. But if you're going to start somewhere, at least sit down and listen to somebody and figure out from there. There's, oh. a, there's again, meet you where you're at. Right. If you're not ready to read all the books and everything else, start somewhere. Yeah. The, read. The, the most basic of basic. And I'm yeah. not saying just, you know, random YouTuber. And there are people of note who give speeches, mm-hmm. who are saying the things, who mm-hmm. have written the books. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to listen, they're the yeah. same people do are that. doing Watch YouTube. Do something. Listen to a podcast audiobooks, whatever, it's there. Mm-hmm. And what I see a lot of is white folks having this knee-jerk reaction, like, oh my God, I got to help. But th- trying to find the easiest way to do that without even realizing it. So one of the things I and, want... And mm-hmm. if you want to do the easiest thing, that's okay too. If all you can do is donate $5 to a bail fund, good. I'm fi- Great. So, but the problem comes when... The people who want the most praise are the ones who haven't done any homework. Right. So they'll come to the Facebook and say, like, I can't even imagine my twin who was raised in a very white space in Minnesota um, has had people coming out of the woodwork. I can't even imagine. I told her about my friend last night and she tells me about her high school boyfriend, her second cousin once removed she hasn't seen, like high school, just 10 to 12 people have reached out to her in the past week saying, can you call me? Because I don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? This is not even counting her actual white friends. These people she owes nothing to who are like, did you hear what's been happening? I'm not at home. Call me. I need to know what's happening. Do you have any knowledge of, did you, somebody hit her up and was like, did you know him? Like, why is it, I don't understand what's happening. There's nothing that I have ever written that is a new concept. Right. At my best, I am parroting somebody way smarter mm-hmm. who's done way more research than I have. Mm-hmm. And without fail, there'll be a comment or a question, either it's a comment or a rebuttal that is so far debunked and so far out the realm of like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. To the most basic of questions where a three second google search or anything well what's even more dispiriting is that sometimes i'm seeing folks who just want to be a part of the conversation and Mm -hmm. not have anything to really add like it's okay to just absorb this right now hell i'm black and that's what i'm doing right i'm just absorbing a lot i'm trying to keep up with each Mm -hmm. case you know people are now saying if those if those cops don't all get first degree murder let's burn shit up that's where I have to raise my hand and say, um, first degree murder is premeditated. So let's just burn shit up if they don't get second. Like, we still got to read. We still got to know what, the, right. unless we can prove that this dude, the cop in Minneapolis, knew George Floyd from someplace, that the, the 911 call has been released. We don't have any reason to believe that that officer left the precinct saying, I'm going to go there and kill George Floyd. Mm. Without that, which doesn't seem likely, first-degree murder is out the window. So I don't want people to take that on. So I'm still trying to keep up with shit. So I don't respond to every tweet and every Facebook. I'm just reading. So I'm saying that because in one of, I don't know if it was my post or your post, 
the dude, oh, it was mine. I was talking about how you and I were driving, how you and I were driving, and we got stopped by the police, and I had my hands on 10 and 2, mm-hmm. like my dad told me, and you did not, well, you weren't at the steering wheel. And we just had different approaches to being stopped. Right. And in the comment section, this man, now mind you, my story is like a good smooth 1,500 words, maybe longer, 2,000 words. Mm-hmm. Out of those 2,000 words of all the things that I shared and said, his only comment was, I've always had to, I always knew I had to put my hands on 10 and 2 as well. It just means you don't have anything to hide. Like, wow. So that's what you took away from that. You want me to know that as an Asian man, no. you also have Act- to put your hands on 10 and 2. Actually worse. That was my story, which had nothing to do with that. Wait. So No, it was mine. That would have made more sense if it was yours. That was my story it about. Was mine. You're talking about somebody else. Another Asian dude who talked about 10 and 2. <laughs> Doubtful. <laughs> oh my god, no. So wait, why would it come up? What story about running? No, the one after. No, sir. Which, you you commented on my story. I thought I commented on my on, story. On his comment. I can't you even keep like, up with it. You were like, what are you trying to say here? And I was like, yeah, go get him, husband. You're right. No, you were on his It was yeah, my you're story. Right. 2,000 words on I had the, enriching the tears and hearts. And the one thing he wants to harp on. I'm telling you. First of all, I'm not fucking talking to you. This is a serious piece that I can actually say. I'm not talking to you. So you know I'm not talking to you. It says, dear nigga, except it didn't, but it said it in my head. And I'm talking about niggas, including my nigga. I tell a story about being frightened, about being afraid, and having my hands on 10 and 2 because I'm afraid. And in the comments, he says, well, I have to have my hands on 10 and 2, too. And it's just about showing that you ain't got nothing to hide, niggers. Yeah. What uh, the fuck? I'm, I'm you couldn't just shut yeah. up. It's, so, I'm a firm believer in the phrase, you could just say nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm a firm believer that it's often better to say nothing. Sometimes it's better to say nothing. Yeah. So, my equivalent to your 10 and 2 was Miss PhD on my piece who went full Karen. Yeah. She doesn't deserve... Um, I wouldn't even to the extent that other commenters were apologizing. Yeah, like that doesn't happen. Someone had to (laughs) a a white person had to apologize for another white person. Right, and the white person who apologized was genuinely like, "I'm so sorry." Well, I don't understand. And broke down all the ways. Yes, she's just so wrong, and then she has the nerve to. Yeah, that was actually um, what I find interesting right now is that. What I find interesting right now is that, um, shoot, how do I say this? You know, in Malcolm X, um, in Malcolm X, uh, there's a scene where he's at Harvard University and a young white girl runs up to him as he's mm. going inside. Oh, and yeah. She says, just yeah. tell me, is there anything I can do? And he says, no, nothing. And she's upset. Mm-hmm. So in the book, um, he tells that story and at the end, before he was killed, but after they were done with the book, Alex Haley asked him if there was anything he regretted, um, with the idea that maybe they could talk about digging it out. 
Um, he said, the only thing I ever regret was telling that white girl there was nothing she could do. Um, the, the answer was, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The answer wasn't no. I still could have walked off, but it wasn't that there was nothing she could do. It was just that I didn't know what it was. But I think even in that moment, there's got to be space for us to process anger. Yeah, so that's how I feel right now. And it's kind of a weird space for me. Like, I have like, taught in schools with white teachers that I've talked to about stuff, like, in the trenches. Like, I've had a white teacher come to me and be like, that's a space where I'm not going to say, you need to figure it out. Right. If you're a teacher and you're teaching black kids, you can come to me and be like, X, Y, Z happened. How do I handle this? How do I, whatever. I would give my advice on that. Um, or how to teach something. Oh, mm-hmm. this came up and I want to just dive into it while we're there. How do I talk about it? Um, but outside of that space, I tend to be very aggressively noncommittal to these types of things. So don't ask me. And what I might have said yes to yesterday, don't hold me to that tomorrow. So if yesterday I said, it doesn't make sense for you to ask a black person to come in there and do that. Don't ask me tomorrow and think you're going to get the same answer. Because I might say, why don't you ask? You don't know no other black people. You could ask that too. Well, ask somebody to come talk. I think that's part of the issue, going back to your friend as well, is we're still in the thick of everything happening it. right now. We're in it. So the idea that we're going to break off from making but, sure that our people are okay and monitoring what's going on in mm-hmm, our world mm-hmm. to have this conversation in the middle of it. Right. It's, but and the crazy thing is, we've always been in the middle of it, you know. Like when I think right, to myself, yeah. oh, so maybe six months ago I should have been. No, not even then. Right. It's just more. It's it's different now. Mm-hmm. But it's never been okay. I'm 46. There's never been a time where a white person could be asking me how to be an ally. No, no, just no. So you know, my parents were in the nation when I was growing up, and uh, my dad was very. If not kill whitey, he was very kill whitey. <laughs> and by the time I got old enough to decide that I didn't think that was necessarily okay, um, all I had to do to realize how um, nuanced it was, was to look around and realize that my dad had white friends. A lot? Mm-hmm. No. But he did. And it was enough for me to be like, okay, I understand. I can see that. This is your overall situation. But his friends but knew Sunday if they night, popped off. Oh, of course. Yeah. Y'all going to be the first one. Of course. <laughs> um, but Sunday night, he might be downstairs with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whoever, drinking a beer, whatever. Um, so it's just, I'm not explaining anything. Right. And I'm not explaining why I can't explain it either. I'm just not. Figure it out. Or I'm it, still trying to figure it and out. And this is also, I think, and it's hard because of white folks proximity to blackness Mm -hmm. but there's also spaces where i've had conversations with my white friends who didn't understand certain things as we were having a beer in their living room and i don't when they say safe space because i don't know what safe space is safe at this point but they were honest conversations in which they were open to hearing some real shit Mm -hmm. and it wasn't well i think or a defense it was i don't understand this I said what it was, don't rebut, don't whatever, got it. You know, for me, I don't have any white friends that I've gained in adulthood. I think the only reason why I can talk to the one, the friends that I have is because I kind of grew up with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I've known my friend from last night, I've known her for 25 years. Um, most of my white friends, the few that I have, I've known for a really long time. I oh, haven't. 
all my white friends are adulthood. Yeah, I, I haven't felt comfortable. I haven't really been in those spaces. Um, I am probably one of the few journalists who has worked in solely black spaces for 20 years, which considering I don't know if you can still do that now, it's pretty incredible. Um, so I've just, from BET to The Source to Vibe to just whatever I've always to lived- level. To level. I have always, my conference rooms have always looked like a boomerang scene. Mm. Always. Um, so I've never really had to do that. and never really worked in those spaces. But when I was in college, you know, I got to Rutgers. I was 16 and I was very black, militant girl. And I saw this t-shirt during Harlem week that I brought back to school. I bought two of them. The front of the t-shirt said, there are two types of people in this world. Those who have color in the back set and those who want it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, <gasps> so I put the t-shirts up on my wall and my roommate was like, you got to take that down because that's fucked up. And you ain't even got no color, bitch. So what are you <laughs> talking about? And I'm like, I'm not taking this down. It's on my side of the room, whatever. So people who would come to my room would see it and feel uncomfortable and, um, I, looking back, I was being extra. Um, I don't, I didn't truly believe that, except maybe in a cosmetic sense. Um, But I remember someone saying to me, what if, a white person, what if I fell into a lake and I don't know how to swim? Are you going to help me? Because you don't like white people and you have all these things on your wall and Malcolm X and blah, blah, blah. But do you, do you respect our humanity enough? If I fall into a lake, will you pull your arm out and (laughs) pull me out? 16-year-old Aaliyah was like, fuck no. (laughs) Drown, bitch. 42-year-old Shane is saying, how many of my folks are drowned? Okay, drowning, she says. Right. Drowned. Like, based on that same premise. Right. So, So, deal with these t-shirts. Yes. So, believe it or not, I got in trouble. I believe it. I got trouble for that. She went and told the RA. Went to a PWI. And there was a whole little, now, let's you, have a conversation. Your roommate was... My roommate was black. Okay. But she just wasn't down with that. Um, she just didn't want things that were going to, she didn't want people to come to our room and think she felt that way. And she didn't. Um, but there was a talk. And uh, my RA wanted to know, tell her what you really meant. Because you don't mean that you would let her drown. I was like, oh, these bitches don't. Oh, y'all don't know who my daddy is. I was like, I meant it. She could drown. Now, truly, Shane, first of all, I wouldn't because I can't swim. So there's that. But truly, Shane, would I let her drown? I I wouldn't, actually. My human instinct would not be like, bye, Whitey, and just watch her fall. Um, But um, it just, I'm just telling you, it sounds really echoey. I know because you're keep coming in hot so side note i need you to stay in one spot with the microphone okay, okay, okay. because you bounce over a okay, place okay, and then okay. the levels get goofy okay, okay okay so that's what's happening okay, there okay okay i'm not moving so right yeah. there i'm not moving okay it's still okay you're still moving okay. hmm. i'm going to stop moving things like even now the, the microphone keeps going up to your forehead and i don't know what's happening it should be here or it yeah. should be here. Your mouth should be at the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> Ow. 
I don't know why that happens. Because you keep slumping down and slumping down and I fidgeting. Think, I think the next, it sounds weird, but I think the next time, I don't, so when I say it sounds weird, if it's just my headphones, I don't care. But if it's what's happening here, mm-hmm. that's why I feel like I should say something because God forbid, I did, it did sound weird. You, I would be like, shoot, I should have said something. It did sound weird. Right, and it's only because I have to keep changing your levels up on the fly. Okay, I won't move. Anywho, anywho. Um, so yeah, drown, <laughs> drown. Um, you know what's interesting about that? Mm-hmm. This person actually wasn't white; she was Latinx, mm-hmm. Latina, but white Latina, whatever that is. And um, she is the person who called me Pecasita. Um, that's where I got that nickname from because mm. she taught me a little bit of Spanish. I wouldn't let her drown. So that's also the annoying thing about being black. What? 90% of us aren't letting anybody drown. 100% of us are not letting anybody drown. Well, no, I don't know about all that now. But, um, like just straight up like die, whitey, die. Yeah. yeah. There's never 100% anything. <laughs> But we know ain't 90% of white folks mm. pulling us out the water. Mm. So here we are. Even to, the extent, even to the extent of we can't even say we're not knowing that we right. are. Right. When white folks will tell you to your face, nope. forget pulling you out, I'm throwing you in. Right. And I'm setting the lake on fire. Correct. If I can set the lake on fire, I'm set the lake on fire. Correct. And I didn't even have the freedom to just say it. Right. In my room. Right. No, you can die. Right. If you could have heard the in my room, I was like, bye. Don't care. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just that opportunity. As angry but, as but, white people can be, we don't have the space to be angry, even right. as we're being. Correct. And it's interesting because um, I actually, yeah, so that same year, I was approached by the Black Women's Association for Black Unity, which was the campus shit. That is a black folk. strange name. Black Women's Association for Black Unity? It's kind of redundant. But anyway. Well, it was just women mm-hmm. working for Black Unity. Okay. It was called Boabu. And I think Boabu was actually an, a word. And then they just retrocon. That's how usually that ends up happening. Um, so, Babu met every Thursday at eight thirty, and when they came to our room, knocked on the door, "Hey y'all, don't forget Babu Thursdays at eight And My roommate was like, "I'll be there. I can't wait. I'm so excited." And I was like, "Thursdays at eight thirty? You know that's a different world, right? Like, who's going anywhere on Thursdays at eight thirty? So, you know, I'm going to tell you that Whitey can go die in the lake, but I'm also not joining Buwapu because it's Thursdays at 8.30 and I have to watch A Different World. Um, that also got back to my dad. Hold on, my kid. My dad's like, aren't you going to join the blah, blah, blah people? And I was like, I kind of got to watch A Different World. So, yeah, um, we're complicated. You know, we're not, mm-hmm. we're never going to protest the same way. We're never going to feel the same way. My sophomore year, I joined Buabu. I missed a different world for the whole season. It wasn't that deep. And I got over myself and I did things and I helped out and I felt great about it. Mm-hmm. I was 17 instead of 16, whatever. Um, 
by 20, I was not telling people that I would let them die if they fell into a lake. But I also, by then, had a group of people around me who wouldn't ask me no dumb shit like that. Right. So there's that. There's also that age range where we are typically our most militant. When we're mm-hmm. first, more first settling into the concept of our blackness and all mm-hmm. the other things. Mm-hmm. And it's our whole teppy years. Yeah. Basically, and some of us grew out of it. <laughs> and some, some of, of us, us don't. don't. Did you go out of your whole type of years? I changed my uh, screen name. I'm no longer my three eyes. Oh, God. Uh, I'm not reading Behold a Pale Horse anymore. Mm. Well, you already read it, so yeah. there's that. God, the, which is a weird book to read in your whole type of years because it's written by a white dude yes, writing is. about aliens. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know how you got to New York whole type of years without peppermint soap because you're supposed to get a gallon of that. <laughs> really early on because it comes with the behold a pale horse but right they're like they're bundled package. they're bundled so how did you make it through your early 20s living in new york being a hotel and you never once came across peppermint so soap. first of all forget early 20s i found out about this last week what peppermint soap? yeah that's what i'm talking about right. how did you not know about it in your early 20s is what i'm saying Pull the mic in. i don't understand um it just i don't know it just i was i was all about my black soap but that's kind oh. of where I was at. Oh, you didn't tell me you were down with the black soap. Yeah, black soap. That's the same thing. Never mm, mind. That's the same thing. Mm-mm. You got to have one or the other. It's not the same thing, but yeah. if you told me you never heard of black, black soap. Right. No, I was black soap. Okay. And that's have, fine. You just, and I usually have black soap with stuff in it to scrape my skin. Like oatmeal and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never dated a girl with peppermint soap in the shower. That's what mm, you're telling me. No. Okay. But black, knowing you were up on black soap makes you feel better. But again, here's the other part, too, that gets forgotten all of this. I got married at 24. I wasn't in too many women's bathrooms. Okay, that's true. Right. So, yeah, that would do it. That would do it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah. married at 24? 24, 25, I forget. But... That's young. Mm-hmm. Were you ready? Mm-hmm. I met her her sophomore year of college, mm-hmm. and I told her then I was going to marry her, mm. at which point she got another boyfriend <laughs> on campus because that was a little too much. Yeah. But I wasn't wrong. You weren't wrong. So, yeah. Although I, so I didn't have much space to discover a lot of things, like peppermint soap mm-hmm. or a lot of shit. <laughs> just, just a lot of shit. We're we're discovering a lot of things together, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, hey, that's Diane. that. We'll do that next episode. Hey, Diane. <sighs> mm. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> back to race. Can I make a quick sidebar? Yes. That's that's a little later. I have. <laughs> Can you stop? Sound like I'm insulting, insulting you. <laughs> Okay. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I, um, I turned This is going to be our most poorly produced episode yet. <laughs> I turned into, I mean, this is like, this is all so new. Yes. Yeah. Um, this I actually t- sounds a lot like our very first or second episode. At Third Space? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Just a lot of stuff squeaking and echoing. And, and eating and... and um, so I don't know how this happened. Actually, I do know how it happened, but it's 
kind of weird that I'm sort of like into sneakers now. Like I pay attention to what people have on. And today I went to Starbucks and this girl had on these ones that were, they weren't custom. I really wish you had seen them. They were like green and yellow and black. Mm. Really beautiful. Um, I'm all, and I'm really concerned with how people tie their sneakers. Like depending on what the type of shoe, they tie their shoes differently. And I haven't yet, yet gotten a handle on how to tie my ones. Air Maxes, you just time like you're in the first grade. It's not that deep. But ones are different, and I haven't gotten it quite yet. The key is to have, make sure your laces are flat. I'm bad at that. and Because I don't usually have a half an hour to sit around and tie my shoes. And then there's a matter of whether you go over under or under yeah, over. I got to figure that out. And I, I go know. over under. I need to. I need a lesson. The other day, I like did something I know I'm not supposed to do, but it just felt comfortable. Mm. <laughs> I tied them just regular, and I put the straps behind me. Oh yeah, that's not unusual. That's okay. Yeah, I feel like okay. I take the straps out. Like that. That the straps are. Wait a minute. Do what you want. They come out. Yeah. My 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 wheats. You don't see the straps on those. Holy shit! I did not know they came out. Yeah. Okay, that helps. Because it can be a little bulky. Especially yeah. for me, because I'm generally going to have on like, a f- you know, tight jeans or mm-hmm. fitted, whatever. So I don't like a lot of bulkiness down there. Anyway, so I'm not an aficionado, aficionado quite yet, but it went from... You told me you got the head nod. I've gotten the head nod a couple times, actually. But I went from pink converses twice a year <clears throat> to... Let's see. Where am I now? Pair of LeBrons. I don't even know, which is really sad. Um, LeBrons, the Rose Golds. Rose Gold Air Maxes. You got your Rose Gold Stan Smiths. Rose Gold Stan Smiths. You got two pair of custom airs. Two custom airs. I think that's it. Uh, Yeah. And that's gross. So my the LeBrons are my favorite out of all of them. And I've only worn them once, but mm. they're already my favorite. They're dope. I just need better socks. Yeah, that that uh, trans transparent that translucent top. sheer top is a lot. It's a lot. You can't ever just throw them on without socks because that looks gross. Um, but I, I tend to wear a lot of my sock game is really bad, so I gotta get that together. Um, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to say that LeBron's are my fave. The uh, John Elliott icon. Yes, John Elliott. Shoe. That's the guy's name. It's not James Elliott. John. John Elliott. Yeah, they're dope. And like I said, they're super comfortable. Very comfortable. I got uh my nineties coming tomorrow. The crocodile. Oh, the crocodile pony hair. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then nice. I'm waiting on some customs. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at these new Katie's and this is mm. yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Anyway, back to fucking up white people. I think I've had enough of that for tonight. I think, yeah, I think we're good on that. Um, yeah, so we'll tighten up this place here so everything sounds a little bit better. Um, it's probably going to sound, sound just fine. I just have to, like, part of the reason why I'm sl- slouching is because the way I'm situated is not is new to me. Um, so mm-hmm. like everything here is new. Um, like this, like this, even this, like, yeah, the I'm microphone's moving. getting that. Oh, um, um, 
So, yeah, we, we've got a lot of stuff to move around and sort out. So, forgive us. Um, so, uh, stale popcorn. Yes. Because you begged to not do Idlewild just yet. Mm. Um, There's a reason why I skipped it. We're going to do He Got Game. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm here for that. So, we're, we're going to follow Spike with so Spike. Now, my... Oh, I like that. My voice is like exactly where it's supposed to be because we're done. Yeah, and you're not Just moving. You know that. Good times. <sighs> but uh, let's get on out of here. It's it's late. Oh my heavens! Mm-hmm. It is late. I took the day off work today, and I get it back on the horse tomorrow. Sometimes taking that day off, you need it, but yeah, the next day kicks you in the ass. I'm ready. Alrighty. Um, thanks again, everybody, for the well wishes with the engagement and everything. I um, married, boss. We'll figure out what the wedding is and put it on pay per view. Mm-hmm. 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We'll see y'all later. Later. Did you ever play that? I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs>